Support for Veterans Corner on Veterans Corner Radio is made possible by M&M Printing and the Observer News of Ruskin. Hello and welcome to Veterans Corner Radio Podcasts, information for and about veterans. U.S. Army Chaplain Corps historian Dan Fitzpatrick joins host Bill Hodges for this edition of the podcast to discuss the sacrifices of the four chaplains. In a departure from the usual discussion of benefits for those who have served in the military, Bill and Dan use this episode of the podcast to describe the heroism of the four chaplains. These four chaplains gave their lives so others might be saved. Here now is Bill Hodges with Veterans Corner Radio on Veterans Corner Radio Podcasts. Welcome to Veterans Corner, a show dedicated to providing information to all those who have served our country's military and to their families. Now, here is your host, newspaper columnist, management trainer, and Air Force veteran, Bill Hodges. Hi, I am Bill Hodges, and this is Veterans Corner Radio. And I've got a little bit of a unique show for you today. Normally, we're directing it strictly at benefits, but something happened last weekend and it was a i i guess a memorialization and in a way of celebration of the lives of four men the four chaplains and i have dan fitzpatrick he's u.s army chaplain corps historian he's also 30 years u.s army so he's got a lot of experience in this dan welcome aboard you're going to talk to us about the four chaplains today. Yes, Bill, I am. I'm going to talk to you about four historic and heroic men today. Their story, I, I don't know, more and more people are starting to hear their story. And that Good. story is getting out. And it, it's one of those things that, to me, it's kind of funny. Something as important as this, it's seeping out. I, I guess maybe at the time during World War II, it it got a lot of press, but it did. But these are the kind of men we need today, and yes, I sir. think we have a lot of them. I think there's a lot of good men out there. But let's yes, talk sir. about why are these four chaplains so important to us? Well, the reason why it's important: these four men will die 81 years ago. They will pass away, unfortunately. Uh, they gave their lives and sacrificed to save the men they were serving with. But they were four chaplains. We must go back 80 years ago and look at America. And America was in, just in World War II. We had just now been over a year in World War II, you know, December 7, 41. And uh, this event happened on 3 February 43. But America was divided and had been divided for a while. You have had, of course, we know race problems or issues, blacks and white. We had a segregated army in World War II. With African Americans, we haven't segregated even the Japanese Americans. They were in separate units. And then you had another layer to that. A lot of Americans generally didn't travel a lot as much, so they're sort of centrified. So they had issues about religions. Yeah, there really wasn't a big cruise market at that point. No, no cruise market. There were cruises at World War II, but you weren't going on pleasure cruises, that's for sure. So a lot of people had different ideas about religion and so forth, and not knowing people from those different religions. 
That's one thing about the military. It brings people from all over society and you would not normally have met or so forth. And you get to realize people are people. And this is where the story sort of comes out as. This story breaks open. Now, the service members starting to know this. As yourself, Bill, you served in the Air Force and you got to meet people from all over the world and all over the nation, different creeds and colors. And this was going on with the service members, but the civilian population was still sort of just doing their thing. So that's why it's important because these sacrifices these chaplains did sort of woke America up that it's not just about little our little piece of the pie. There's a bigger picture and people are people. And they're Americans and they're patriots, regardless of where they came from, what they believe in. Well, let's set the stage then. They're on the Norchester? Yes, on the, the SS Deutschester at the time in 1940 was called the U.S. Army Transport Deutschester. had been requisitioned by the Army to transport troops across the Atlantic. In this case, the Dorchester had just been commissioned into the Army in, around the time that it was going to sell, actually about a year earlier, about in 42. Uh, been upgraded, camouflaged, paint black. It, prior to that, had been a cruise ship basically along the Atlantic coast from uh, New York down to Florida and back and forth. It was a small ship. It carried 300 passengers and crew. It was only much larger than in a, uh, a fresher class destroyer, about 290 feet or so. It wasn't a big ship, but the American Army says, no, we're not on a cruise ship, and that's not a pleasure cruise. So it will have, it'll pack in 700 and some odd soldiers and about 90 crew onto the ship. So it'll have 900 and about two souls on a ship when it will sail for one of its final voyage from out of first New York, then up to Newfoundland. And from Newfoundland, it was going to Greenland. It's going to be at stop. We had established an air base up there in Greenland. And we'd build a hospital and a base and so forth. And that's where these troops and these four chaplains were initially going to go to. We're not too sure where they're going to go afterwards. They may have gone to Europe. But right now, they're going up there to establish a base. The base was to watch as an air base to close the gap and build an aircraft that could fly out and watch the German U-boats. Because that was sort of a a, a space that we didn't get cover of air power. And we're trying to use this uh, area up there to provide that cover. As well as aircraft transporting from the United States to Europe. They could stop, refuel, fix if it had aircraft problems and so forth. So that's why the Deutschester was headed out. They headed out in uh, late January. And on the night, or actually should say early morning of February 3rd, 1943, the Deutschester was torpedoed by U-boat 233. And it took a a torpedo into the uh, starboard side and that will knock out all the power. Ouch. It will sink in about 20 minutes. 20 minutes? Yes, sir. So we got to keep in mind, that's fairly fast. When it hit the, the, uh, the torpedo hit it, it knocked out the engines or the engine room. So it had no lights. So you had all the men crammed on that ship, and all of a sudden there's no lights. The ship's shaking from the explosion. They know they have to get up top to go to their lifeboat uh, stations, and it's sinking fairly quickly. So there's a lot of panic going on. And this is where the four chaplains come into. Now, the chaplains, uh, there were four of them. Uh, do you want me to talk a little about them a little bit? Yeah, I I, I, we've, we've only got a short period of time, but I, I think it's interesting that uh, the, at least the ages of them. Sure. You would think these are all lieutenants. First and you would think that they'd be really young, but that's not necessarily true. The, the no, oldest were... was 42 and the youngest was 30. Right. They were in the 42. You know, you had uh, Fox, Chaplain Fox, who's, who was the oldest. He was born in 1900, 
So he's about 43 years old, but he had served in World War One. He, he actually snuck in the army at the age of 17 wow. as a medic. And in World War One, he received the, the Silver Star, the Purple Heart, and the Carrie de Guerre. Wow. De Guerre, the French Medal. He gets the uh, Silver Star as a medic. He realized they were being hit by gas. This is World War One. He takes his gas mask off to help other soldiers treat him and so forth. And he gets injured by it. After the war, he goes to ministry school and becomes a Methodist minister. And then he'll join the army after Pearl Harbor as a chaplain. But he is the oldest. Matter of fact, the same day that he joins his army, his son would join the Marine Corps. So he's definitely the oldest. Now you had uh, Poling. Poling was a uh, minister. He was in his 30s also. He's from Columbus, Ohio. And Chaplain uh, Clark Poling will join the army with himself, go into chaplain school uh, and serve. Uh, he was actually a, uh, let me see, he was a formed American Reformed Church. And uh, he will be serving as that. He goes to Divinity School at Yale School. Then you had Chaplain uh, Alexander D. Good. Now, Alexander Good was a rabbi. His father was a rabbi. So he had a long, so forth. He was raised in New York's uh, Crescent, Washington, D.C., and he'll marry uh, Teresa Fox, who happens to be the niece of Al Jolson, by the way. Oh, wow. And he will serve in different uh, uh, temples throughout his time, go through schools. But he also joins the Army in 1941, or actually uh, yeah, 1942, and they initially wanted to join the Navy. But the Navy says, reject him. So he put it in the Army, and he's accepted, and he goes to the chaplain school. And the last guy we're going to talk about is Chaplain Washington, John Washington. He is a Catholic priest, and uh, he was an immigrant. His parents were immigrants, but he'll join at a young, well, he comes very, how we say, devout at a young age. He was very sick, and we don't know exactly what illness, and they gave him his last rites, but he recovers and becomes very religious after that and feels the compulsion to become a priest. So he uh, joins the Catholic priesthood, uh, goes to seminary, in theology school at uh, Stetson, Universe, Stetson Hall University, and he will serve in different parishes throughout the time, and he will also join the Army. Now, what's interesting, all four of them would go to the chaplain school at Harvard University together. So they knew themselves prior to this and at the, the chaplain school. And as you say, Harvard University, well, after when the war started, we needed a place to put a chaplain school. Harvard had lost all most of their students, so the Army made a deal with them. And so we had a chaplain school established there through most of the war. Um, another thing about the chaplain school, remember I told you we were segregated in army, the chaplain school was never segregated. Going back to World War I, the first chaplain school, we really? were always bringing it. There were not enough, the reality is there was not enough African-Americans established a separate school. It is a reality, custom ministers. So we put all, the, regardless of faith, they all came to the school. The, army, the chaplain school is not a religious school. It trains these chaplains to be army officers and prepares them to be soldiers for combat. So they should all know all the stuff they need to know about the religion prior to all been uh, as chaplains already been through seminary school or divinity school, whatever required. So they're already ordained and so forth by the church. So the four chaplains meet together in New York city, get aboard the Dorchester. And as the Dorchester is selling up in early January, they come along and uh, they realize that they were got a good group and so forth. When it was hit in the morning, they realized that they had to get on that deck and take care of the men. And as they realized the men running around scared, they calmed them down, 
realized there were enough life vests, so they handed the men their life vests. And they got together and they prayed and, and calmed the soldiers down as the ship was sinking. They realized they weren't going to get off, but they sang together and prayed together as the ship went down. The soldiers and sailors out in the water realized that and saw that, and that became sort of the, their most moment of memories in their minds. And that was settled into the American minds of these four chaplains, sacrificing their lives. Can you imagine you're in a lifeboat and you're looking back and seeing these four people, arms linked together? Yes, sir. And just knowing they just gave their life. That's right. That's outstanding. Is a one little quick story. One of the soldiers coming off the boat didn't have his gloves. Rabbi Good handed him his gloves, and the soldier says, well, Rabbi, won't you need them? He says, don't worry about it. I have them back in my stateroom. The extra pair don't go on, knowing that he wasn't going back to his stateroom. Now, the government did recognize these gentlemen, correct? Yes. Initially, they were actually put in, they were received Distinguished Service Medal and the Purple Heart, and they were put in for the Medal of Honor, but the rules back then said they had to be in direct combat. And they, the U-boat attack was not considered direct combat. In 1960... I don't know how it couldn't be. It would be to me. Somebody fired a torpedo at me, but... I know. I'm with you on that. But uh, so 1960, they put together a medal. It's called the Chaplain Medal. And only it was made for these, the service of these four chaplains. It's equal with the Medal of Honor. It's the same sort of presence, but it will never go to anybody else just to these four chaplains. It is absolutely fantastic. And I understand there is a memorial to them? Yes, sir. Up in New York, uh, actually, New Jersey and um, Philadelphia, there's a memorial, actually a chapel for the four chaplains. It was in the old Navy yard up there. And what's interesting about it, at the altar, it can be turned to show a Protestant setup to a tour setup for the rabbi or to a Catholic or a Catholic service, all three of them. I think that's that's one of the beauties of this story is that it didn't matter. These men served God. Yes, sir. And they served God in a way that most of us probably wouldn't do, I'm afraid to say. But uh, it seemed to me this is a very special story. Isn't there a movie? I think there might be a movie of the not yet. There's been trying to get a movie going, but it started in uh, 2008. But as of today, it has not been pushed through. Well, I'd sure like to see it. Well, maybe one of your uh, listeners will be uh, in Hollywood and, and push it. I would like to see it as well. We've got about a minute and a half or two minutes left. Is there anything that we haven't said that you'd like to share? Wow. There's so much. I'll just try to put it together. We just got to remember these chaplains and their lives and giving their stories. I sort of talked about before shows you self-sacrifice. It's one of the tenets that we have in the army. And they knew that they weren't getting off. They were doing the best, but they were combined together as chaplains. And they wanted to show the men that life is more than just, you know, living. It's also serving and saving. And they they sacrificed their lives for the lives of those other people. And it's something that we have to remember. Their sacrifice should never be forgotten. I was searching across the Bible and uh, John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this. He laid down his life for his friends. Uh, certainly, these gentlemen yes, sir. fulfilled that completely. My guest today has been Dan Fitzpatrick, U.S. Army Chaplain's Corps historian. Dan, thank you for being with me. No problem, Bill. 
Remember, you're unique, you're special, and you're great. Tell yourself so often because you are, you know. And we'll talk to you again very soon on Veterans Corner Radio. You've been listening to Veterans Corner with your host, Air Force veteran Bill Hodges. The views expressed on this program are those of Bill and his guests and are opinions based on the best available information. In matters of law or governmental regulation, it will always be best to check with the appropriate agency. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us for the next Veterans Corner. Before we go, here's a quick final thought. Why not take a minute to follow or mark Veterans Corner Radio podcasts as a favorite? It's easy, and you'll be among the first to be notified when new episodes of the podcast are released. And thanks for listening to Veterans Corner Radio Podcasts.